need connection, accountability, support as you explore the next level version of you, give yourself a real gift this year, the gift of time. The Warrior Women Mastermind is starting again in January, a curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswadek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. Well, for those who have been married longer than a minute, we have been through some things. I myself am coming up on being married 20 years, and I wanted to talk to someone who really knows what that can feel like and look like. Issues like intimacy, sex, communication, betrayal, all of these things affect your marriage and are sometimes hard to overcome. My guest today helps couples save their marriages and even has a secret weapon called the Hypno Journey, where she leads them out of the muck and mire and into a more loving, intimate place. She believes, as I do, that when we transform ourselves, we transform our marriages. Now, not all marriages are meant to last, but when we work on the work of us, amazing things can happen. I hope you'll listen as I share vulnerably about my own marriage so that you can be vulnerable about your relationships. After all, it may look like it's just me and my microphone over here. It's really me and you. It's me and you on a drive. Me and you on a walk with your dog, me and you at the gym, wherever you are, I'm always thinking of you and what you may need to make your life better. If you like this podcast, please share it with someone who needs it. All right, let's get into it. But first, all right, Carrie Murray is back with the Bra Network. Carrie, I heard you have some news for us. Last time you came on and you talk, we talked about the Bra Network. This time you're expanding? What's going on? Huge, exciting news. We're growing, we're getting bigger. We have new members coming in from all over the country. So now we're getting back to having in-person events and they're coming to a city near you. We've got them in Houston, Austin, Boston, Portland, Ventura, Orange County, San Diego. We're coming for you. Oh my God, that's so exciting. So you can live anywhere. I love this. So Carrie, what do you think it is about Bra Network that makes it so special? Well, why don't I ask you? You've been a huge cheerleader for me, a huge champion for the women of this network. What do you like about Bra Network? Oh my gosh, Carrie. Well, if I mean, put me on the spot, why don't you? But I will say that I love the 
collaborative nature of everything BRA stands for. Whether we're hiring each other, whether we're going to events together, we're referring clients to each other. It's just a good feeling to collaborate and be in the space with some dynamic women. We can learn about money. We can learn about business. We can learn about LinkedIn, but we also can learn about spirituality or we can learn about self-care. So you really have something for everyone. I think it's really one of the best networking groups out there, which is why you know I'm your biggest fan. Why, thank you. (laughs) So everybody needs to join the Bra Network. Join now because the prices are increasing and it's coming to a city near you. So let's go. Warrior 2. Where do they go, Carrie? How do they join? Good question. Bra-network.com and use that code Warrior2 for 20% off. All right, everyone. Today on the show, Beth Miller. Beth is a founder of Solify Wellness, a marriage coach, a teacher of psychology, a certified hypnotist, and Reiki energy practitioner. As a marriage coach, Beth has coached many women who are on the verge of divorce and is able to help them transform their lives and marriages into relationships filled with mutual love, connection, and support. Beth's methods are deeply rooted in psychology and neuroscience, with one of her secret weapons being a hypnojourney, a deep meditation that has been referred to as a meditation on steroids. Beth originally created Solify Method to help her work through a crippling anxiety and depression after she experienced a hemorrhagic stroke. She was a healthy mom, teacher, and avid runner until her life turned upside down. She had to learn how to walk and write again and has made a miraculous recovery physically, mentally, and emotionally. Welcome to the show, Warrior Woman, Beth. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be part of this conversation, talking to other warrior women who may be like totally excelling in so many areas of their life. However, maybe feeling like they're falling a bit short within their relationships and their marriage. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I think we, you and I have been trying to get this conversation together. We had technical difficulties, but we have made it. We have made it. But it's nothing compared to what you've been through, Beth. So guess what? You can do anything. I know that. So Beth, we've been trying to do this forever. You know, I have. I always say, one of my taglines is, every woman has a story you just need to ask her. So let's start with the moment you heard the ER doctor said, your brain is bleeding. How did this even happen? What happened? Yeah, it's so surreal even thinking about or even saying those words out loud. Like my brain was bleeding. It was a very surreal, terrifying moment. It's one of those like Grey's Anatomy moments where I had to stop for a second and ask like, am I going to live? Like, I'm like, am I actually saying these words? Then the next thing was, should I call my family? And it was just a bit of a whirlwind right after that. And But what happened was the lead up was I was ignoring my intuition was what was happening. It was about five days prior that I started to feel like different sensations in my, by my right side, in my leg and my feet, but I just kept ignoring it thinking, oh, I should probably just go to physio. Maybe I hurt myself running because I'm an avid runner, but yeah, it wasn't. My brain was bleeding and I just kept putting it off when really something was screaming within me. It's not good. It's not okay what's happening. So I finally started to get sensations in my right hands as well, like losing function there. Couldn't, well, like having trouble walking up and down the stairs, couldn't even take a step to like go for a run if I wanted to, yet I kept ignoring it. So went to the hospital. They said, yeah, your brain's bleeding after some scans and spent about a month in hospital between tests and starting the rehab process of learning to walk and run again. Wow. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, you, you're, they say your life changes in a day, but I like what you said. You know, you said I was ignoring my intuition and this is like, you know, you and I are both kind of coaching women in different capacities of AIDS, but both believing in neuroscience, both believing in pro- very similar things. 
And I'm always talking about intuition. How do you access it? How do you tune into it? And one of the ways you cannot tune into it, as you know, is if you're freaking stressed out of your mind, stressed out of your mind and running like a busy top, right? So, but you knew now hindsight, haha, right? Hindsight 2020, you knew you were ignoring your intuition. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I had signs before, like it was stress. I think it was the universe being like, you're not listening. Stop doing what you're doing. I was like busy mom of three. My kids were, I think four, eight, sorry, four, six and eight at the time working full time, super stressed, starting to have some panic attacks that I'd never had before. Kept thinking like, yes, I need to slow down more, but how do you slow down? And so I think universe was like, you're not listening. I'm just going to take everything away that you possibly have your ability to be a mom, your ability to work, your ability to even walk so that you can lie on this bed and figure out who you're supposed to be. So it really stripped me of so much. And yeah, the physical rehab was hard, but it was actually the easiest part for me because I am an athlete. I knew how to do that part, not necessarily knowing how far I could actually get. Like, I didn't know if I'd ever ride a bike again. I didn't know if I'd ever swim again. I didn't know if I'd ever run again. The mental, the emotional was so painful. It was so deep. And that's where I really got the gift from the universe to be like, Hey Beth, this is what you need to work on is work on your inner bits. Yeah. And work on your inner bits. Exactly. Your inner bits. What would you say? I mean, that's such a good, I love what you just said. You just said, but how do I slow down? Like, I think you know, a lot of times when I'm like coaching, like in my little group sessions and stuff, you know, like they'll say, well, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I don't know about this. And I kind of want to do this, but I'm thinking about this and I think about that. And and then I go like this. And so what I think you should do is just slow down. And they look at me like I am crazy. (laughs) Like, why would I slow down? I actually have so many things to do. I, what do you mean slow down? But the slowing down speeds up everything we desire, right? Like the slowing down is discernment. The slowing down is how we can actually determine like what we should be doing. So what do you say to a woman, Beth, like you, who was like, but how do I slow down? What would you say to that? I think what you need to do is figure out who you want to be. Like, what is that list of things that you want? Like, so you're right here. You want to be here. You want to be this person that is more present as a mom who feels like they have a better work-life balance, who doesn't argue with their partner, who can take a vacation without feeling guilty. You know what you want. So what's in the middle between who you are now and what you want? And those are the roadblocks. And a lot of times those are the inner work. That is the feeling like you're not good enough if you don't do X, Y, and Z. Like if you're not working 24 seven, it makes you not good enough. It's the people pleasing, saying yes to too many things. It's the perfectionist within you. It's the person that's fear, like scared to fail and maybe take those risks to start your own business or whatever it might be. That's what's in the way of you getting to where you want to go, which is to slow down your life. But I love what you said. Like, yeah, it's so important to slow it down. That's how you really manifest what you want. 100%. It seems like the antithesis, but it is the way to do it. How did your recovery lead to this creation of this Soulify method and the hypno journey? Tell me about that. Yeah, that's such a great question. I did not mean to do this. Like when you talk about like divine intervention, like this was so meant to be when I can look back and I can see all the steps, like it blows my mind sometimes. Like I was in, I think they diagnosed me with severe anxiety, moderate depression. Like I was in a really, really bad place. I was, it was like, I was in tears all the time. My poor kids, I kept telling them, it's not about you. It's me. Like, I was just so scared. My brain was going to bleed again. Every little sensation in my body. I'm like, am I losing my ability to walk again? I was just, I was crippled with it. And so I had to find a way. And I was working with a psychologist. I remember being on the phone with her being like, there's gotta be more. I can't just keep talking back to my fear being like, you're safe. You're okay. It's not going to bleed right now. Like you're okay in this moment. It wasn't working for me. I was exhausted talking back to my fear. So I sought out 
other modalities. And I experimented a little bit with shamanism and with Reiki. And I started writing my own kind of meditations that I would listen to myself to really start clearing out the fear and ended up getting trained as a hypnotist so that I could even take it further. So now when I work with women, I can get them relaxed into what's called a theta brainwave state. That's the state just before you fall asleep or just before you wake up where you remember your dreams. You're like, you vividly remember your dreams, but you also know you have to get up because your alarm clock went off. You're just not maybe sure what day it is. So now I can regress women to their past to figure out what is the root of the fear plus what what's in the that subconscious, but what's also kind of consciously, how can we like understand it? So it's this beautiful brainwave state that I've learned to put myself in, experimented with friends and family, realized, you know what, there's something actually here that can really change women's lives. So that's how I started this process of like releasing like my own people-pleasing tendencies, my own wanting to be like kind of, I guess, perfect, really. I wanted to do well. I liked that praise. So there was a lot of things that I had to release that had nothing to do with my brain bleed and that anxiety that I was feeling just over fear of it bleeding again. Yeah. And that's superwoman moniker that we all think we want to have. And we really don't want it. Once you get it and start doing it, you're like, this is horrible. Why do I want to be the best at everything and do everything perfectly? It's exhausting for God's sakes. So what is a hypno journey? Like if what, like when you describe like a hypno journey, like you said, it's meditation on steroids. So what, like, so if everyone knows what meditation or hypnotherapy is, what is, what's the, what makes it on steroids, I guess is what I want to know. So typically people will know hypnosis to help them like quit smoking or weight loss, which is really powerful. But what I do is I take it into a bit further where I get you really relaxed. And in order to maybe lose the weight or to like, it's not just always about the weight. There's, it's usually below the weight. Like maybe the way food was viewed as a child, maybe you were taught that, uh, like eating ice cream made you feel happier because your parents didn't give you the love you needed. Like you just go for ice cream. That's how you comforted yourself as a child. So instead of just trying to figure out the weight loss, I will regress you back to some of those times as a child, or maybe you had some painful moments where your parents weren't emotionally available and you reached for food and you snacked because that made you feel better. And so with this journey, I take you on this path, like into your past. And it's completely led by my client, but I just give them these guiding questions to take them back there. And we, once in those moments of feeling this deep pain, because your parents don't, aren't like paying attention to you the way you need to me because you have younger siblings and they just, they can't, they're not emotionally available. That's when we can really go back to that time, free yourself of not feeling loved in that moment and realize, you know what, this wasn't about me. It wasn't that my parents didn't love me. It's actually that they were just so busy. This was their way of loving me. They gave me maybe more responsibility because I wasn't like a bad child and they thought I was fine, but really I wasn't. And so we go back to those times and we really heal ourselves. We neutralize the emotion. So we realize that lack of a little bit of love from your parents isn't, doesn't mean you're not lovable now. And so that's why I call it a hypno journey because I use the hypnosis and then we go on this beautiful like travel, like it's a time travel. And sometimes we'll hit like three or four different events in your life to clear up something. That's so cool. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love the idea of kind of getting over some of these things our parents, you know, have like the way we were parented or things our parents said to us, because I feel like for, at least for me, one of the biggest ahas for me. And one thing that was helped me be able to let go of a lot of things that happened in my childhood with my parents. It's really knowing that my parents gave me the max of what they had. 
It's they so true. Not, they're not withholding. <laughs> it's not like these parents over here are like, I'm just not going to give you this, right? It's more, they're giving you what they have. They don't, what you are wanting or what you wanted then, they did not have. They didn't, it was not available to them. So knowing that, knowing your parents gave you the max of what they had, it's sort of like this freeing thing because it's like, oh, that's, even though, of course, as a child, you're going to make it about you. What else is it about, right? It's going to be like, oh my God, what's wrong with me, right? <laughs> Why won't they, you know, see me, hear me? you know, praise me, whatever it is. Right. But now that we're adults, we know like, and a lot of us are parents. Right. And so we're parenting our children a lot differently. And we're realizing that's not, we have to let some of that go because they, they gave us the max of what they had. Yeah. I love the saying they were doing the best they can with what they knew. Like they weren't trying to be bad parents. They honestly were doing the best they could. They didn't often know how to love you because they weren't shown love or they were maybe criticized for doing certain behaviors. So they want to mold you into this like stereotypical little girl that maybe dresses a certain way, acts a certain way, only talks to certain friends. Like they want to mold you for their own insecurities and their own reasons, which is so freeing when you can see that it's not about you, it's them. People are always projecting onto us. And that's a big lesson. Once you learn that other people's emotions aren't yours, it's so freeing. So true. Freedom. So tell me about this course. You've a course that you advertise as 12 weeks to save your marriage. That is pretty huge to even say. Tell me about this and the results you're seeing. Yeah. So 12 weeks with me and it's intense. Like I don't take on everyone who applies because I need to only take on women who are willing to do the work. So you're going to be doing these hypno journeys. You're going to be doing one-on-one sessions with me and you have access to me Monday to Friday. Like I push these women forward or sometimes they just sprint off and I get to follow, but it's beautiful because I don't let them have setbacks because they have access to me Monday to Friday. It's like having a therapist on speed dial. And so the results are so much faster than doing a year or two years of therapy because you're getting access to me daily. But what starts for these women is the biggest piece is just shifting that subconscious mind. We have to go back to times where they felt like they're a failure, back to times when maybe money was a scarcity, had a scarcity mindset, where they can't trust their husband, where they're jealous of other friends and women, where they're feeling like stuck in their career or just really powerless. So we have to go back to these times of like self-doubt and guilt. And what happens is when we can start to unpack our own emotional baggage, all of a sudden, step two, we really start to change how we show up in our marriage and our relationship. We can communicate with less emotion. We can see what emotions are ours. Like if our partner's getting mad, we realize it's not because he doesn't love me. He just has some other stuff going on. It's like, I can see his wounded child. So that's why it's so powerful because women, they see that they're triggered by their partner. They're triggered by their partner saying, I can't help with that, or I'm not going to help right now. And they realize they're triggered. It brings up an emotion of not feeling appreciated or heard, but it really comes from a belief maybe in the past where they were misunderstood by their parents. And it's not just that their partner's attacking them. There's so much more to it. So we really tackle all these memories and it's so much more than your marriage. You're really working on yourself, like to then work on your marriage, transform yourself, transform your marriage. And the results are amazing. Like number one, like ultimately the women I work with are happier. Like they never end the program without feeling happier. But then number two, they start to be able to express their needs unapologetically. Like it's such a loving way to their partner. They can unapologetically, like this is what I need. And it's so loving and it's so kind that they set these beautiful boundaries And then this is where the power comes to how you actually save the marriage is because you're showing up differently, all of a sudden, like your vibration's higher. It's like, you're, I don't want to say you're the party, but if you walk into a room, into a party, you can feel if the vibe's good or not. All of a sudden you're that, you're the party and your partner can pick up on that. And they either are attracted to that, or maybe they, maybe they step away from it. Like they, maybe they, because they can't be around that they want to be stuck in their own misery, but often they will gravitate and they'll become a magnet to you. And when you're not criticizing them, you're not judging them. They're so much more open to 
maybe like nugget by nugget. I'm not just going to say like all of a sudden they're going to tell you their life story and all the traumas they've had, but little bit by little bit, like I had a client the other day, her husband just started to say, you know what, maybe I'm not over my sister's death. Like just kind of pulled that out of the blue. And it's not like he unpacked that a ton right there in a counseling session with her, but these little nuggets that they start to drop, which opens them up. And then that creates this incredible emotional intimacy with your partner. Yeah. I can imagine, you know, I think a lot of times and I, you know, my husband and I've been through all sorts of things, you know, and I can remember a really low point in our marriage where, you know, I was not sure what was going to happen. And I remember thinking, well, what am I going to do? I can't change his mind and his heart. I have to just, I have to be committed. I have to be, you know, show him that I'm really in this and that I'm willing, you know, to do this work. And you know, it was hard in the beginning because right in the beginning, it didn't feel like it was reciprocated. In the beginning, I felt like, oh my God, I'm over here doing all the things. And he just is like doing the same shit. You know, eventually I realized he, it was having an effect on him and it really turned things around. And now in, you know, coming up on 20 years of marriage, Beth, coming up on 20 years. Yeah, I know. Right. That's quite an accomplishment, but coming up on 20 years of marriage now, I, ironically, I feel more comfortable in my marriage because, and not because of the years and the time, but because now I feel like, We've been through some things. We've been through some things and we understand each other. And it's not, everything's not so black and white as it is when you're, you know, when you have kids, you're just trying to like manage. You're just like in the management phase. But when you finally wake up from that phase and you just start looking around, like a lot of times you're like, I'm not happy. I'm not fucking happy. And the first person you're going to blame it on is, oh, my husband. Let me blame him because what else are you going to blame it on? You know, really, you're not going to blame your kids, even though you could. So it's interesting, right? The evolution of marriages, you know, and the way that, and the way that works. But when you show up differently, you're right. I've noticed that when we show up differently, even, I mean, my God, when we show up differently in our families, we transform our families, the same thing. I always say women are going to lead us through everything because women are the leaders. Like we are the heart of everything. So if we are changed, if we are transformed, we people can't help being transformed around us. Don't you agree? Oh, we are the catalyst for change within our home, within like so many avenues of life. And I'm not saying that like every marriage is going to work out. I would wish my magic wand would do that. But what happens is I'm a guide on this journey with you. And it's amazing how all of a sudden you might come to the realization I don't want this anymore. I'm not going to settle for this behavior. I put everything into it. I possibly can. And I fully trust and know that exactly what I need will come. And maybe this marriage isn't exactly what I want in this moment. And then you can start to explore some of that too, because you know what, sometimes we get stuck in certain behaviors and those we realize, you know, that's not for me anymore. And you start to step out of that. And I think it's really powerful that, you know what, there's endless possibilities out there. And yes, you want your marriage to work, but sometimes there's some other options as well. So I don't want to paint this like beautiful picture, but I'd say majority of the relationships I work with, they definitely are saved because they came together, they were in love and they wanted this to work and they both still really want their marriage to work. It's just, how do we get there? Because a lot of times husbands won't go to therapy and that's why we're the catalyst for change. Yeah. And you know what? I get that too. Like you just don't know the roadmap. You don't know how to get there. You want it to be better, but you just go fall into the same patterns. And so you need somebody like you to help them, you know, kind of get on the path and like know that where to go. Cause it just seems like insurmountable sometimes. Right. Cause we're just stuck. What do you think the biggest issue that people are having right now in marriages today? Like what, do you see any themes along the couples that you're coaching? Yeah, the three big would be communication and communication is either passive aggressive where they just don't talk about anything and they sweep things under the rug or they just hold this resentment for each other. So 
or they just don't feel heard. They both don't feel heard. They're both not meeting each other's needs, which then comes into the communication piece. Sadly, I see a ton of broken trust, like infidelity or just generally trust being broken down. And also that kind of falls into communication as well, because if you're communicating, you most likely probably wouldn't have got to a place because your needs were being met and you would, yeah, there's a whole, we could go down that path if you want to. But, and the other one would just be roommates. You get into roommate zone, especially with those days when you're really busy with your kids or you've just kind of grown apart because you haven't been fostering each other's needs. So there's that lack of affection, lack of emotional closeness and intimacy. And that one's huge. That one's difficult to build back up over just physical intimacy. But I find for a lot of women, they need to build up the emotional intimacy before they're ready for more physical intimacy with their partners. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I, I definitely feel like in my friend group in my marriage group of people who've been married like me, they're like 17, 18, over 20 years. A lot of them are not having sex. A lot of them are, you know, part of it is just like logistics, right? Like they've got these teenagers and preteens and they're right across the hall. Like, and these people are always around and it's hard to like, even like find a time, you know, and then it just becomes like the exhaustion of everything else. You're like, and I have to add that to my fucking to-do list. Like the fun thing has to be the to-do list too. So what do you do in that case? Like, what do you do for people who are feeling like, oh my God, like we've become roommates. Like what is the, what are some of the first steps of building that back? Yeah. I just go back to that foundational piece. Like what is the trigger right now? So are you wanting to have more sex with your partner and if, or are you feeling pressured to have more? So we got to figure out what is the trigger? What is the emotion that's coming from that? Is it that he doesn't love me enough. So why should I give him love? Or it's that he doesn't love me and I'm not pretty enough. Like we got to figure out what the belief is there. Like what is kind of the trigger? What is the belief in there? That's maybe keeping you from getting your needs met. And once we know that, then what we can do is then start to work on unpacking that belief that you possibly have about yourself or about your partner having about you. And then kind of, we have to kind of clear up ourselves first. You got to figure out like, what is it that I need? What's blocking me from what I need? And then once we get to that place where you're like, you know what? I am pretty enough. And you know what? I do want to have sex with my partner more, but I just feel like he's not meeting my needs emotionally. And so that's when we can approach your partner and have those conversations. And your partner may not meet them very well the first time you start talking about it, but it's doing so in such a loving and kind way that that it's received. So it's so important that we then express our needs. So it's really about a big soul search to start. And then it's about talking about your needs and communicating those with your partner. And I give the women I work with, I give them like these trust building steps and these communication steps. It's like we dribble it to your partner instead of just going right for the big whammy and just being like, you're not having sex with me. I want to have it more and like blaming them for those reasons. Yeah. And what we believe is so huge (laughs) because perspective is everything, right? So like, if we believe that our partners don't love us, if we believe that we're not being cared for, well, then why would you want to have sex with that person? Right. So if you, those beliefs are so, you know, and they get that stuff can build up. You can take little things, right? Like not unloading the dishwasher. And you don't remember that I said that I needed you to pick up the kids that day or, you know, whatever, you know, you can take that and build a little case of my husband doesn't love me or he's the worst husband. Right. And then before you know it, that's all you're look, looking for. Show me the worst husband. There's what there, that's your focus and attention, right? Like, I'm, oh, show me the worst husband ever. And guess what? That's what you're going to right? Absolutely. So your reticular activating system. So we have this lovely little thing within us, our RAS reticular activating system, and it doesn't necessarily store the facts, but it stores like 
senses. So like smells, what things look like. And so if you're in your mind and your thoughts are telling you, my husband sucks, I don't like him. He doesn't love me. That reticular activating system is then going to start looking for the evidence. It's like the powerful manifestation within us. It drives the thoughts and finds the evidence. It's kind of like the punch buggy game where like find a red punch buggy, like anyone, I don't know, maybe I'm dating myself here, but in, I don't you even look know what for a, a red punch car. Buggy is. What's a punch oh. buggy? It's like a Volkswagen. So anyway, there's a game we used to, maybe it's just a Canadian thing, but just say you're on a trip with your family and you're trying to find as many red trucks as you can. Your reticular activating system, here's the thought, let's find red trucks. And all of a sudden there's red trucks everywhere. Or just say you want to get like a silver Mercedes and all of a sudden you start seeing silver Mercedes everywhere. Like it's, you have this thought and all of a sudden you see them everywhere. It's your RAS. It's looking for things. So if you're telling yourself that your husband sucks and he's not kind, he doesn't meet your needs, then your RAS is going to find you proof after proof. So it's so important that our thoughts are in alignment with what we want, but I'm not telling anyone to override your thoughts. Like at the same time, like if you think your husband doesn't love you, then let's get to the reason why. And then let's shift it into my husband does love me. And this is why, like we never want to sweep those thoughts under the rug. We have to unpack them first and then shift them into a new thought. A hundred percent. I love that. I love that. So along with all the physical things you've been through, what mindset have you had to overcome to land where you are today? Because I can imagine, you know, because you're a runner, because you're already an athlete and you're like, I will take this motherfucker down. Let's go. Like, you're just going to get yourself back on your feet, but it's a mental game too. Like, you know, it's one thing if you can actually physically get yourself there, but being worried all the time, right. That it could happen again or like not kind of trusting, like what kind of mindset did you have to overcome? Oh, I had so much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, of course I had to overcome the fear, but the fear wasn't the number one thing I had to overcome. It's really like, I realized I didn't love myself. I really did not like myself. I had a lot of horrible self-speech that I didn't realize I had. Like so often if I made mistakes, I would tell myself, I hate myself. I'm so stupid. Like, but I'm just doing that under my breath. And consciously, if anyone said to me, do you love yourself? I'd say, yes. Do you hate yourself? Of course not. Do you think you're stupid? No, I'm very smart. But there is so, I had this little voice within my head telling me otherwise. I also had to overcome like sacrificing my own needs for others. I was very much a people please. I was telling people the things I thought they wanted to hear so that they would like me or that I would get their approval. So I was almost like a manipulator there. I was trying to make people like me through changing what I believed. And like people pleasing is a master form of manipulation. It's really interesting because you think about people pleasing as just not getting your, like not putting your needs first, but really you're trying to change someone else so that they like you. Other things I had to come like overcome was like just the belief of like needing to be perfect again, consciously, I knew that I wasn't perfect, but deep down, I knew that like from childhood, if I did really well in sports and got good grades, then my parents liked me. And so I wanted to be perfect. And I had some shame I had to unpack too from like our teenage and child years that I didn't realize was still playing out. So there's a ton of stuff and not feeling good enough. So yeah, the fear that my brain was going to bleed again, but there's so much deeper. There's so much other stuff going on that I had to unpack. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's so, I love that what you said about people pleasing. Like that's such a good point is that it's really about being a master manipulator because you're trying to figure out like, well, what do I have to do? But you know, people pleasing is also a trauma response. You know, that's like part of that fawn thing. I mean, I'm telling you what you already know, but it's part of that fawn response where we're just like trying to survive sometimes. Right. Like, but you're right. There's a level of manipulation involved in there where you're like, if I do this, then they will like me. Right. Or think I'm good enough. Right. So you're just going to try to turn that knob. But it is interesting, right? Like how we can physically get ourselves back, but the mind is a whole other ball game. And you think consciously, again, right? Oh, I love myself. What? I'm not like it. But it's like when you catch yourself and you hear your inner dialogue, it's horrifying. 
You know, when you hear yourself beating yourself up, I always talk about like the inner mean girl, like break up with your inner mean girl. Like, you know, cause there's just this other voice, like the one that we're not like, of course, if someone comes up and says, do you love yourself? Or do you like yourself? You're like, yes, of course I do. What do you think? Of course. But like in those moments where you're by yourself and something goes wrong, or you just catch yourself like saying something to yourself, if you really listen to what that is, it might be a little bit different than what you're thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where we really start to become conscious of our subconscious thoughts, like those 60,000 thoughts a day that we don't recognize them all, but are really our like computer programming. They operate so much of what we do without us even realizing it. And that's the power of this, like the hypnodrain, the hypnosis is we don't like going to traditional therapy has its place, but you're talking things through consciously. And if you really want to shift things, you've got to do the inner work, which is like not just consciously talking about, yeah, I love myself, but really getting to the reasons why, you know what? I don't love myself as much as I thought I did. And that's when you can really, really like start to manifest things you want and really repair a marriage as well. I love it. I love it. Well, we are on to the speed round. It's party time as I call it. What does it mean to you to be a warrior woman? All right. So I am a warrior woman because I listen to my intuition. I let it guide me so that I can then trust that it's going to take me exactly where I need to go. It'll bring me the right person, the right opportunity that I need so that I can continue like manifesting the career, the relationship, the like anything that I want. And so it's so powerful, so powerful that I listen to my intuition. That's why I'm a warrior woman. I love intuition. I love that you talk about that. What's a mantra or quote you live by? Oh, I like this one. Happiness is an inside job. Don't assign that power to anyone. Ooh, I like that you that you added that. I know happiness is an inside job, but not assigning that power to anyone. Tell, talk more about that. So yeah, I think we all know that happiness is an inside job. Only we can make each other happy, like ourselves happy, even though we often look to others. But if you're going to like for instance, my husband, if it's my birthday and he doesn't plan the day I wanted to, like he doesn't bring me flowers and surprise me with dinner. Like, I think we all have a ton of expectations around our birthdays. When you can surrender that, you know what? I'm the one of, <laughs> it's in charge of the happiness of my birthday. If I want something, I need to ask for it. Hey, can you take me to this restaurant? Of course, it'd be nice to be swept off your feet and not have all these surprises, but you can't hold a grudge for someone else not knowing how to meet your needs. So you can't let that, your birthday suck because someone didn't meet your needs on that day. That's just an example of how I would interpret that quote. So true. Yes. We've talked about the birthday. I think husbands get a lot of shame on the birthday because they can't read our minds and give us this amazing experience. It's like, but you know what? Every year I feel like I want something different. Like, oh, I want my more quiet this year. I want to just be home. I want to go out. I want to see a show. Like, I mean, they can't, I mean, it's I'm moving the ball all the time. What are they supposed to like read my mind? Right. So it's really true. What makes you feel unstoppable? Ooh, I feel unstoppable because I step into my fear and it's something that I never used to do. When I step into my fear, it's almost like there's this little excitement there. But I know when I step into my fear, as terrifying and as uncomfortable as it is, I know it's leading me to exactly where I need to go. Well said. What are you most proud of? Okay, business-wise, I am most like I'm so proud of my success. Like at 18 months, like in 18 months, I took my business from zero to six figures. So that like I stop, I need to stop and actually celebrate that because sometimes you get so into the grind that you don't, but I'm super proud of that with my business. My boys, they are seven, nine and 11 and just seeing their like emotional intelligence. Like, and they'll call me out. Like if I get bad at them for not hurrying up to get in the car fast enough, they'll be like, mom, you're projecting your stuff onto us. Like, I just love that they are confident enough that they can say, 
and catch my emotions that they're not internalizing them the way that maybe like I did as a child. Right. And, oh, I ran a triathlon in the summer. I'm proud of that. I ran, I biked and I swam. And those are things I never thought I would do again. And I was a big big puddle at the end of that race that I did it and accomplished that. That's so cool. Especially after what you've been through physically. That's amazing. And I love that you're talking about celebrating. You have to celebrate it. Because as you know, like I have a big, huge thing about this. This is like a thing for me that I want women to know that they have to celebrate, not because I'm saying like, you should celebrate yourself and get a little cake and whatever. No, it's because if you don't put the stake in the mountain and say, I was here, I did this, right? Then it just, life just feels like a fucking hamster wheel. It just never changed. But if you put it in the mountain, then you can like look around and be like, oh my God, I'm here. I made six figures in my business. I'm amazing. Look what I did. Because then you can keep going and you feel like you have something, you know, because the top of your mountain is the bottom of your next. So you have to see where you are. You need perspective. So if you, you can't really get it if you don't celebrate. So I'm, I celebrate you. So thank you for sure. Celebrate yourself. What keeps you going when you're feeling lost? Okay. So when I'm lost, I need to recognize that I'm not grounded. So I need to get regrounded. I need to find the clarity. So it's just acknowledging that's where I'm at. And even telling myself you've been here before it doesn't last forever. So how do I get out of that? Number one, I just go back to me. I go back to either meditation, doing the hypno journeys, going for walks, journaling. It's a combination of those things that'll recenter me. And I have to figure out why is it that I'm stuck? Like, what are the beliefs here? Why am I here? And what is it that I want? And sometimes just sitting in that uncomfortable stage of feeling really stuck and knowing, trusting that it won't last forever. And it doesn't. It, and that's the great thing. Sometimes you feel more power once you've been through that a few times and recognizing it and you can trust that, okay, I will get out of this. It will happen. Yeah. The everything is temporary thing is such a gift, <laughs> such a gift. What's exciting you the most right now? personally, I think like the idea of traveling again, <laughs> that like lockdowns are lifted. I'm really excited to do some traveling in the next year. You know, what really hits me every once in a while lately is that it's not just like, sure, I work with a client one-on-one, but it's the ripple effect. That's so exciting. Like them telling me the stories of how their husbands are also happier. Like they're interacting with their kids more, their careers are doing better. Like all of a sudden they, they finally had the courage to quit. And then all of a sudden their husband got a raise the next day and she can still work part-time in this other job that she's pursuing. So it's just the ripple effect of being one person, but then seeing those gifts being passed on and then them like giving those gifts to others. Yeah. Taking it and running. Right. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking today. I know we, again, we had tried to reschedule this 700 times. So I'm so glad we finally did this. It was worth the wait. And I love hearing about your journey and how you've really recreated your entire life. It's so, it's amazing. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me today. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star written review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.